Along with many ongoing prophetic fulfillments, the next two events on God's prophetic timeline are World War III and the Israeli-Palestinian Peace Agreement. Well, it's no surprise that the two issues dominating the Israel headlines daily are Iranian aggression and the Palestinian issue. Well, what will Israel's new government do? Well, I'll provide some updates for these topics and more on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries, and thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. You know, when it comes to Israel news, we could discuss many topics. Um, Netanyahu's efforts to form a new government, the global rise in anti-Semitism, technological advances, the economy, education, and, and much, much more. However... The two topics, now I'm in Israel news every single day. These are some of the major sites that I hit when I just get here to the office in the morning. So the two topics dominating the Israel headlines every single day is Iran's military aggression towards Israel, and whether it be through their terrorist proxies or their nuclear aspirations, and also the Palestinian conflict. Both of these subjects are very prophetic, and that is what we will focus on today. Daniel 9.27, along with other supporting scriptures, prophesies a peace agreement will be reached between the Israelis and the Palestinians, and when this agreement is concluded... It will trigger a seven-year period that will culminate at the Battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. It's when He will establish His kingdom for 1,000 years. It's called the, referred to in prophecy circles as the 1,000-year millennial reign. The Bible also prophesies of a war that will emanate from the Middle East region more specifically the Euphrates River region, and result. this war will result in the killing of one-third of the world's population. It's called the Sixth Trumpet War because it will occur at the sounding of the Sixth Trumpet described in Revelation uh, chapter 9, verse 13 through 18. This war will take place just before or shortly after the peace agreement is signed. The Bible doesn't tell us... um, The Bible does tell us that it it must take place at the latest before the final three and one-half years begins. And so it could conceivably happen at any time now. If, If it has not already begun, that's very important. Because the current situation with Israel and the United States and Iran 
Many people believe that World War III began decades ago and it just hasn't escalated to the point where we have mass casualties. And so today I want to focus on these two prophecies, the peace agreement between the Israelis and the Palestinians and a World War III that's coming. Now, before we get off into these topics, I cannot prove to you scripturally which one happens first, the peace agreement or World War III. I speculate, now again, this is opinion, capital O, opinion, that the war will happen first, and then on the heels of that, the international community would get, the, get a peace agreement done between the Israelis and Palestinians. And you'll understand more and more why I have this opinion as we go throughout these segments here. So the Jewish News Syndicate, they actually published an article. One of the, the major news sources in Israel, you followed them, they published an article, and they published several, but this one specific article dealt with both of these issues that are prophesied to occur at the time uh, just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. The title of the article was, What Will Biden's Policy Be Towards Israel for the Rest of His Term? And the questions abound, it says. I've got, got a few excerpts here I want to share. Questions abound about how the U.S.-Israeli relations will unfold now that the midterm elections are history. Will the White House move closer to Israel's tough policy on isolating the Islamic Republic of Iran? Possib- the possibility from a prophetic standpoint of a World War III. We'll get more into that in just a moment. And then also, will Biden seek a strong arm uh, seek to strong-arm Jerusalem into a bad territorial deal with the Palestinians. From a prophetic standpoint, the peace agreement. This article is talking about both things. Will the State Department build on the Abraham Accords to normalize relations between Israel and the additional Muslim-majority countries? These are the questions posed to us in this Jerusalem Jewish News Syndicate article. A man named Daniel Pipes, he's the president of the Philadelphia-based Middle East Forum, he told JNS, the Jewish News Syndicate, he said, perhaps the most important thing former Secretary of State John Kerry ever said in his long and distinguished career was in 2016. He said, no, 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 and no. There will be no advance and separate Israel peace with the Arab world, without the Palestinian process and Palestinian peace. Everybody needs to understand that that is a hard reality. Well, of course, he didn't know about the Abraham Accords, did he? The prominent Middle East historian Pipes, he said that Kerry's supreme confidence meant that when the Abraham Accords came along, that his and the Democrats' entire interpretation of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict shattered. Now, that's where President Biden is today. They were shocked that the Abraham Accords got across the finish line because of the Arab Peace Initiative and the mindset of all of the past presidents that have tried to get an Israeli deal that said, hey, we've got to get the Israeli-Palestinian deal done before we could ever form a relationship with the, the other Arab nations. But the Abraham Accords 
It destroyed that theory, right? Because that's what's simply the case right now. And this seems to have had the, the happy consequence that the Democrats have stayed with, uh, stayed away from this topic of the Israeli-Palestinian situation. And Pipes said, I hope and think that that will continue to be the case. Now, we're going to get, I know we're coming up to a break here, but we're going to get deep off into this Israeli-Palestinian conflict and a potential World War III situation again These are the two topics that are being talked about in the Israeli headlines every single day, folks. And these are 2,000 to 2,500-year-old prophecies. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intime.com slash future or call 800-IN-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started In Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and end of the age plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. You know, everyone, the reason I like to focus on these very specific issues is because when, we, when I look at prophecies written in the Bible 2,000 to 2,500 years ago, and then I look at these articles that are captivating the news every single day in Israel and around the world, letting me know we are specifically, you, you, you can't really dodge the issue. We're living in the end time. We're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's easy to see. It's not on many people's radar, though. And that's the reason for these radio and television programs and the magazine and everything that we do. Folks, we're just prior to Jesus Christ coming back, establishing His kingdom here on the earth. And we want to show you how to be a part of that kingdom. That's the goal here. And we want you to understand these prophecies so you can then instruct everybody in your sphere of influence, right? That's the goal. Now, as we continue on here, when 
um, when asked whether he viewed the Biden administration moving closer to Israel's hawkish posture to, towards the Iranian regime, Mr. Pipe said yes. Weirdly, it took r- the Russian use of Iranian drones in Ukraine, an unrelated issue, to prompt the Europeans and Biden to realize that the mullahs are not this cuddly bunch of individuals, right? So now there is a new wariness about Tehran, though no thanks to all those years of Israeli efforts. So this article specifically dealt with the Israeli-Palestinian issue, prophetic, and a potential war between Israel and Iran, which would be prophetic if you understand the implications of that, should that lead to a World War III scenario. I don't know at this point if that would be the case. That's speculation on my part, but it certainly could. Now, the Jerusalem Post, they published an article, Inevitable Strain in the United States-Israel Ties Does Not Mean That There's a Rupture. Biden and the Palestinian Problem. A few excerpts from the article says that Biden is the first president in recent memory who has not put brokering an Israeli-Palestinian deal at the top of his agenda. It's these types of statements and things that I'm watching in this political, geopolitical situation over there that help me to form the opinion and to speculate that the World War III will happen first, then the international community would get the peace agreement signed. Now, again, it could happen the other way, but I think with everything that I'm seeing, that it's highly likely the World War will happen first. It goes on to say that there are a couple of reasons for this. One was the realization in Washington that this is not a popular idea with the Israeli public and the Biden administration did not want to pressure the former, the um, Bennett Lapid government, which is government they wanted to see remain in power to do something that would cost it at the ballot box. Well, of course, that wasn't the case. Netanyahu was reelected. And secondly, the, the Biden administration realized that the stars are currently not aligned to make any such push for a diplomatic agreement successful. I mean, Hamas is in charge of Gaza. Palestinian Authority Mahmoud Abbas is on his last legs, and no one knows what will emerge when he leaves the scene. So why would you want to get a deal struck that might go out the window when the next regime comes in, Right. And no Israeli government, especially not the, the incoming one with Prime Minister and his very right-wing um, coalition, will be willing to take any risk right now on that Palestinian track, not knowing who will be in charge on the other side or for how long even. Here, too, there is little likelihood of the immediate friction between the United States and Israel over negotiations with the Palestinians as there was during the Obama administration when John Kerry dedicated enormous time, energy, and prestige in trying to broker this Israeli-Palestinian deal because no one believes that given the lay of the land right now that there is any chance of an agreement. And actually, I agree with this assessment. I mean, in looking at the new Israeli government coming in, Netanyahu has always been very successful in evading a two-state solution, even though that's the um, solution in the eyes of the international community to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. 
So I agree with this assessment. However, that does not mean this Israeli-Palestinian conflict is going to go away. According to Scripture, Israel will sign a peace agreement with the Palestinians in the near future. But what I want to do is to provide some history showing how the Israeli-Palestinian peace and potential Iran war are talked about almost in the same breath. And you understand, these are the next two events to occur on God's prophetic timeline. And the Bible doesn't say which one happens first. So it's almost as if they happen one on the heels of the other. And here they are talked about all the time in the news. So am I saying that, does this mean a war with Iran will be World War III? Well, currently I'm I'm only speculating. However, it does seem possible. There are people that speculate that we are already in World War III and that it has not escalated to the point that we've been in World War III with Iran for decades now. And it just hasn't escalated to the point where there will be mass casualties. Now... Let me go back and give some history and bring you up to date with what's going on in the new government and everything. The Organization for World Peace, they published an article, Israel's new government will prevent peace with Palestine. And which is another reason it leads me to believe that World War III could be the next thing. Again, speculating at this point, I want to make sure I stress that. Elections occurred in Israel on November 1st for the 120 seats in the Knesset. After the elections, Benjamin Netanyahu's party, the Likud, formed a coalition government with the religious Zion, the Zionist Alliance, I think it's called, uh, the um, Shah's party, the United Torah Judaism parties, which will allow Netanyahu to become prime minister again. Should he be successful in forming all these coalitions? The coalition will have, uh, what I think, 64 seats in the 25th Knesset. You remember that Netanyahu was previously prime minister from 1996 to 1999, and then from 2009 to 2021, and when a, um, a coalition of parties opposed Netanyahu, and they took control of the Knesset. Well, Netanyahu's government, again, should he be successful will include far-right parties that oppose the two-state solution and recognizing Palestine as an independent country. He's forming a very right uh, coalition of members here and that many of them are just dead set against that two-state solution. And so some of the members of that coalition government who oppose the two-state solution include Itamar Ben-Gavir, and Bezalel Smotrich. You've heard about them in the news. Gavir, who would become the security minister, and a lot of people are concerned that he will mess with the status quo up on the Temple Mount, causing all kinds of conflict. These guys are very, very dogmatic in their belief system. Pro-Israel, anti-two-state solution. And Ben Gavir supports the expulsion of citizens who are not loyal to Israel. Get out. Okay? Smotrich, who, will, who would potentially become the finance minister, he has supported helping Israeli settlers annex land in the West Bank. Can you imagine the conflict that would happen? We might be headed towards a third intifada if that's the case. 
Well, what's this all about? Well, in 1947, the United Nations supported dividing the uh, Palestine, as it was called. There was not a, a, a country of Palestine, but that region was called Palestine. The United Nations supported dividing that into a Jewish and Arab state. Ever since, there have been several wars between Israel and Palestine. At that point, Israel accepted that, but the uh, Arabs rejected it. And so, and there are a number of plans that have been made, these peace agreements, to create peace between the two countries, or between the two people, I should say, because Palestine was never a country. There were just Arabs that lived there. So in 93, the Oslo Accords supported Israel, withdrawing from the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. The two Palestinian territories, Israel, um, or I, I should say these disputed territories that have been um, since the, the, the Six-Day War in 1967. Additionally, Israel Prime Minister Yitzhak, uh, see it was Yitzhak Rabin and Palestinian um, President Yasser Arafat, they agreed to talks to create a border between Israel and Palestine within five years. Well, of course, that didn't come to fruition because Rabin was assassinated in 95 before the talks continued. Netanyahu became prime minister soon after and opposed Israel withdrawing from the West Bank. In 2002, Saudi Arabia proposed a peace initiative to recognize and establish relations with Israel if Israel withdrew from Gaza and the West Bank and recognized East Jerusalem as the capital of Palestine, which wasn't even a country. Well, of course, that didn't happen. In 2007, the proposal was supported by all other countries in the Arab League. And at the time, the only countries in the Arab League to recognize Israel were Egypt and Jordan. And all other countries opposed recognizing Israel until it supported the two-state solution. And after the Arab Peace Initiative was proposed, Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Olmert and Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas were close to supporting the proposal. However, Abbas opposed the peace plan because he didn't know what borders Olmert supported creating um, to divide the two, uh, these two areas of land, Israel proper and what the Palestinian, the Arabs were going to get. The negotiations were ended by the Gaza War. And when uh, Netanyahu became prime minister, again, he opposed resuming negotiations. Now, again, he's the one going to be the prime minister of this new government should he be successful in forming a government, this, this new coalition. And he's been, again, he's been very successful in evading this. Now, since that time, Netanyahu has continued to oppose plans that will make Israel withdraw from the West Bank. In 2020, the, the, now that was a situation, but you remember, now here comes the Abraham Accords. In 2020, the United Arab Emirates, uh, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan recognized Israel after signing the Abraham Accords, which were planned by President Trump. The countries agreed to recognize Israel if it did not annex more areas in the West Bank, because that is exactly what Prime Minister Netanyahu was getting ready to do. That's what led to the Abraham Accords. 
the leader of the United Arab Emirates said, hey, if you won't annex that, we'll recognize Israel. They went, they went against the Arab Peace Initiative. Okay? Now, there were numerous issues with the plan. The accords allowed Israel to control more than 30% of the West Bank where Israeli settlements had been built and supported Jerusalem as being the capital of Israel. Of course, that's the absolute truth. Israel has always been the capital, or Jerusalem has always been the capital of Israel. However, settlements uh, are considered illegal under international law, even though in God's eyes, that's Israel's land. Now, you may, if you get fed the nightly news, you're going to think, well, hey, that's, that's occupied territory. But it's not occupied. It's disputed. Just because there's international law, it doesn't mean it's right. And so that's actually God gave Israel that land to Abraham through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all the way from the river in Egypt all the way up to the great river, the river Euphrates, back in Genesis 15, 18. So just because the international community sees that as illegal does not mean it's right. Other peace plans have supported Palestine uh, controlling all of the West Bank and recognizing East Jerusalem as Palestine's capital, even though that would go against the Bible. Moreover, Palestine was not involved in the planning of the Accords, and the Accords only received support from Netanyahu, of course, President Trump, and the Arab nations. And Prime Minister Netanyahu is saying that he believes he can get a he can get Saudi Arabia to come to the table as well, which is the the main player in the Arab Peace Initiative. He can get them, many other nations will come. And also you understand the regional agreements that are being worked on because of the Iranian threat. And so what's the Bible say? There's going to be a peace agreement and there's going to be a world war. That starts out of the Euphrates River region. Well, now you can kind of see these things just floating along right here, right alongside of each other. The Bible doesn't say which one happens first, but we do know there's a war coming and we do know there will be a peace agreement signed. In addition to Israel agreeing to cease annexation of more of the West Bank, another reason the four countries in the Abraham Accords decided to recognize Israel was, again, due to the security concerns of Iran. According to Al Jazeera, Iran has been accused of attacking ships in the Persian Gulf, launching drones in the airspace of other countries, which caused Bahrain to create a security cooperation agreement with Israel. So you can see here that world war potentially, if Israel, the United States, and Iran were to go get into conflict, and that would bring in possibly Russia, China, and other nations And then you've got World War III tomorrow morning, right? All prophesied to occur in just the near future. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
when you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99. You can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, everyone, as we've, as we've tracked along here over the last several years, tracking all of this very closely, there were times when we thought, hey, there would be a peace agreement signed and then maybe the war would happen after that. Or there have been times when, you know, we were, we were going to war with ISIS and Russia and the United States were uh, sharing, um, you know, were on either side of the Euphrates River up in Syria and we thought, well, hey, Maybe this is World War III and then a peace agreement will get signed. The Bible doesn't say which, but it appears that one will happen right on the heels of the other. And as, as I'm looking at this, it looks like the war will happen first. And it's being talked about, both of these. You say, well, the potential of a World War III. A lot of people believe that with Iran being the number one state sponsor of terrorism on the planet and with them having nuclear aspirations that Israel and the United States certainly, who's working together under CENTCOM now in the Middle East, would certainly never allow Iran to get a nuclear weapon. Israel's a one-bomb nation, so they can't. So this is what a lot of other Arab nations are concerned about. I mean, despite other Arab countries also having concerns about Iran, no other countries have recognized Israel's um, two years that have recognized Israel, I should say, two years after the signing of the Accords. And this includes Saudi Arabia. However, Netanyahu has wanted Israel to establish relations with them, and he thinks he can get it done should he be able to form a government. Maybe he's got something up his sleeve. I don't know. However, the Middle East Institute reported that Saudi Arabia still supports the Arab Peace Initiative, and will not normalize relations with Israel until Israel supports a two-state solution that allows Palestine to control all of the West Bank. Now, we thought there was, there was the thinking at one point that no nation would. However, now we have the Abraham Accords, don't we? So anything's possible. And, of course, this is evidence that the Abraham Accords, uh, many believe, would not be successful in establishing relations between Israel and most of the Arab countries. Again, if you can get Saudi Arabia on board, a lot of them will come right on with them. 
and then relate that uh, many people believe that relations would only occur once Israel supports their peace initiative instead of the Abraham Accords. But the Abraham Accords at this point seem to be holding strong. And when you look at all of the uh, economic incentives and a lot of different things that are happening right now, huge investments and travel and a, uh, uh, a lot of things are happening because of the Abraham Accords. And there is a level of protection against the Iranian threat. Now, a two-state solution supported by Palestine and the Arab League will, in many eyes, not happen while Netanyahu is prime minister. Again, he's been very successful over the years in evading that. But there is still some support for the two-state solution in Israel. Yair Lapid, uh, the, the current acting prime minister, uh, up until Netanyahu was elected, Um, He was the prime minister before the 2022 election. He supported a two-state solution. And he was the prime minister of Israel. When he come in, I thought, oh, here we go, you know. But according to the UN News, Lapid said, an agreement with the Palestinians based on the two states uh, for two peoples is the right thing for Israel's security, for Israel's economy, and for the future of our children. That's a direct quote. So the Israeli-Palestinian conflict needs to end as there have been wars between the two countries since the U.N. supported the creation of Israel in 1947. Well, what could happen is that if everybody just gave Israel the promised land God give them and leave them alone, it'd be over with, right? But that's not going to happen. Conflicts are most likely to end if Israel supports the Arab Peace Initiative, a lot of people believe but that's never going to happen as well, and recognizes Palestine. A lot of people want them to do that. There there will be a peace agreement, but it's only going to be an interim peace agreement. Israel's never going to give up Jerusalem. And many people believe that Israel completely uh, withdraws from the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. Never going to happen. Israel's not going to do that. There's going to be a two-state solution created, but Israel is not going to withdraw. There will be people out in the West Bank all the way to the end. Now, this is very unlikely to happen while any of these things happen, while Netanyahu is prime minister, because he's opposed peace plans with the Palestine since he became prime minister back, or with the Palestinians, since he became prime minister back in 96. And for a two-state solution to occur... Parties supporting the two-state solution would have to win a majority seats in the Knesset and agree to create a coalition government, possibly with many Arab uh, parties in that. If that occurs, there could be peace with the Palestinians and other countries in the Arab League would recognize and establish relations with Israel. That's the mind of the international community. In the eyes of God, they shouldn't sign any league with anybody. They should occupy the land. And that's it. You say, but Dave, that's three or 4,000 year old thinking. No, no. That land was given to Israel by God through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and in that lineage forever. There was never a time limit, limit put on it. That was, a, that was a continual promise from God from now forever. So, don't let the news feed you this line and try to indoctrinate you that, hey, there are uh, 
there was a country of Palestine and they deserve that. No, no. There are Arabs there and Israel's willing to work with them. But they, there never was a country of Palestine. Never. And the region was called Palestine. And there was a country of Israel. Uh, the Israelites in Jerusalem and the, the Israel owned that land. But there never was a, Palestine, a Palestinian, or I should say a country of Palestine. So, when we talk about these peace agreements, there will be a peace agreement signed in the near future. Israel's never going to get up, give up Jerusalem, but there will be an interim peace agreement signed in the near future. In all likelihood, though, World War III could possibly be the next on God's prophetic timeline. What about that? Well, the Sixth Trumpet War. It's called World War III. Bible says, um, and the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour a day, a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. And the numbers of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000, and I heard the number of them. That's Revelation 9, 13 through 16. So, the, it's housed in the Euphrates River region. The Euphrates River starts in Turkey, flows down through Syria, enters into the northern boundary of Iraq, and empties into the Persian Gulf. The Euphrates and the Tigris River meet to form the last, probably a 50 or 60 mile border between Iraq and Iran. So there's four nations, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. Is this the area where the Bible says the World War III will originate? Yes. Many believe we have already entered the war, but it has not escalated again to the point where there would be mass casualties. The angels who are bound in the Euphrates are spirits. The Bible says, loose the uh, angels bound in the great river Euphrates. So they are spirits, and the Bible tells us that angels are ministering spirits to us who are the heirs of salvation. However, these four angels are not ministering spirits. They are part of the one-third of portion of angels who rebelled with Satan, and they are evil spirits. And we know that these angels are evil because this verse says that they are bound. And when they're loosed, their assignment is to kill one-third of all of mankind. In Revelation 9... 16, in a Christian standard Bible, it says the number of mounted troops was 200 million, and I heard the number of them. Revelation 16, 4 tells an army of 200 million that will participate in this war. There are three entities that can field an army of 200 million soldiers. China, India, and the Islamic faction on the planet today. So the Jerusalem Post, they published an article, Israel, the U.S., are to hold air drill simulating striking Iran's nuclear program. The Israel Air Force is holding one of its largest drills in years with the United States Air Force simulating offensive strikes against Iran's nuclear program. It's going to include long-range flights such as those that Israeli pilots might need to make in order to reach the Islamic Republic of Iran. 
And this exercise is going to include refuelers as well as fighter jets from both forces. Refuelers would what, is what would be needed for them to reach Iran. And Washington and Israel have signed an agreement. Listen to this. Remember Revelation 12, 14. Israel's carried away on the wings of a great eagle. The United States, where she is nursed in her place for time, times, and half a times. The, the United States-Israel alliance in the end time. Washington and Israel have signed an agreement that would see the United States come to assist Israel with missile defense in times of war. And the two militaries have held numerous joint air defense exercises in recent years. Am I glad, aren't you glad, that the United States will protect Israel all the way throughout the end time? It's very comforting, isn't it? The Bible told um, Abram, I will bless those that bless you and I will curse them that curse you. I want to always be on the side of and support Israel in every way. And I'm glad to be a part of a country that will do that. You say, but yeah, this country is going nuts right now. I understand that. But there are still people in the United States that love and support Israel. And I'm very, very thankful for that because God has a, or God has a special place in His heart for Israel. It's just it's how it is. And they were a chosen nation all throughout the Old Testament. And they believed in the one true God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's what separated them from every other people on the planet. And God's got a special place in them. And He's going to turn. They're blinded in part now. But God will turn back to them before it's all over with. You understand the prophecies of the Bible. And tensions between Israel and Iran, of course, they remain high. Again, they're in the, the, the headlines of the news sources every single day. Iran, which it, it now, think of this, possesses over a thousand short and medium range ballistic missiles. They continue to smuggle weapons to countries uh, and non-state actors such as Hezbollah, which is estimated to get this, to have an arsenal of about 50,000 missiles on Israel's northern border. Now, I've been on Israel... I, I was just at Israel's northern border, and I looked over into Lebanon and into Syria. Very tense situation. Imagine that here in the United States. If Russia or China had 50,000 missiles facing the United States. Imagine living under that. Now, with tensions high over Iran's nuclear program and regional hostilities... Israel and the Islamic Republic of Iran have been threatening each other with their their senior officers stating that their militaries are capable of striking the other one. And of course, Israel, very, very, the most powerful country in the region. Nobody would want to force Israel's hand. They've got nuclear weapons. So, World War III's staring us in the face if we haven't begun that conflict already. And it's one of the next things on God's prophetic timeline. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began the ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Israel has significantly increased its readiness level and has taken steps throughout the past year to prepare a, a credible military option against Iran's nuclear facilities because Iran is saying, has said many, many times, we're going to destroy, wipe Israel off the face of the planet and the United States as well. In the last year, the Israeli Defense Forces and CENTCOM forces have held several joint drills as well as operational missions. You understand now that Israel has been taken out from under Eurocom or Europe Command and been placed with the United States in Central Command now, CENTCOM, working hand-in-hand right there in the Middle East. Man, am I thankful for that. The IDF, Israel Defense Forces, their Chief of Staff, Lieutenant General Aviv Kahavi, he said this, and I'm quoting, We, Israel and the United States, are operating together on all fronts to gather intelligence, neutralize threats, prepare for various scenarios in either one or multiple arenas. He said that during Kirilla's visit, and he added that the two countries were developing joint military capabilities at an accelerated rate against Iran and other threats in the Middle East. And then, um, let's see, so it would be outgoing Defense Minister Benny Gantz. He told reporters at the beginning of the month, that while Israel has the capabilities to strike Iran's nuclear facilities, that Prime Minister Netanyahu uh, designate at this point, Benjamin Netanyahu, must consider the issue carefully before giving the order. Uh, of course, Netanyahu, he is a, he's an old hat at this game. You understand? He's been there, done that, negotiated all these things for years. But Gantz said Israel has the ability to act in Iran. We have the readiness, development capabilities, and long-term plans that we are managing. We need to prepare for this possibility, and we also need to consider the issue very carefully before carrying it out. And, of course, Prime Minister Netanyahu knows that. Now, iNews from the U.K., they published an article. The title of the article was, As the World Fixates on Ukraine... Another war is brewing in the Middle East. Again, where does the Bible say World War III will originate? The Euphrates River region, Turkey, Syria, Iraq, and Iran. So this article says while everybody's fixated on Ukraine, there's another war that could be a lot more devastating right down there in the Middle East. Some of the excerpts from the article, the, 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 the failure to agree... Uh, a, to a nuclear deal is only one of a series of separate and unrelated events that have heated up in the Iran crisis over the last couple months. As war rages in Ukraine, another conflict is ready to explode in the Middle East as the United States and its allies confront Iran over its nuclear program. You know, I wonder, speculation, 
But I wonder if President Obama is not in, or uh, President Biden is not in office to st- and will start World War III. It's a possibility. You've got to think about that. He's not thinking rationally. He's doing what he's told. And you never know. I, I, I'm watching it very, very closely. And, you know, when you talk about Iran and its nuclear program, the, the supply of drones to Russia and repression of anti-government protest, I mean, it's, it's, just a, there's, it's really just the Middle East is a tinderbox. And there are many people standing around with matches ready to throw it in, right? I mean, if the U.S. or Israel were to attack the main Iranian nuclear facility producing weapons-grade nuclear fuel, Iran would most likely retaliate by using its drone and missile arsenal to close the Strait of Hormuz at the mouth of the Gulf, through which these tankers daily carry, what, almost uh, a fifth of the world's oil and gas? Imagine that. President Biden's giving up our strategic uh, petroleum reserves right now, and imagine them cutting off that uh, oil supply. And this, the confrontation escalated sharply when Iran announced that it intended to make near-bomb-grade nuclear fuel at its Fordo plant, located inside a mountain to protect it from uh, bomb and missile attacks. And Iran decided to ramp up its nuclear program after the failure of the talks to revive the uh, JCPOA, which is the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. That's the nuclear deal agreed to in 2015 by President Obama, but was denounced and dropped three years later by President Trump. Now, because there were sunset clauses allowing them to get a nuclear weapon anyway, and Donald Trump said, no, we're done with that. We're going to hammer them with sanctions, which was working until President Biden came into office and turned everything around. Now, or tried to anyway, he started giving them money back and just became a mess at this point. But at the, and they're really not scared of him. I mean, look, look what happened to Afghanistan. And I mean, they're just, our, our enemies are not, they don't fear the United States anymore like they should. At the heart of the uh, agreement, the JCPOA, was this far-reaching reduction in economic sanctions on Iran in return for international monitoring uh, of a reduced Iranian nuclear program, which Israel and Western leaders say is aimed at producing a nuclear bomb. So, the escalating crisis is a resumption of the confrontation three years ago between U.S. and Israel on the other side and Iran on the other that almost led to war. Under pressure from sanctions and threatened by military assault, Iran launched a highly successful drone and missile attack on Saudi oil facilities that briefly cut its oil output by half. And Iran is held, was held responsible for explosions damaging oil tankers um, anchored at the mouth of the Gulf and for guerrilla actions against U.S. troops in Iraq. President Trump retaliated by ordering the assassination of General Qassem Soleimani. You guys all read about it in the news. You follow this like I do. He was in charge of covert Iranian operations abroad, who was killed in a drone strike in Iraq in early 2020. And then, of course, there's the efforts to resurrect the nuclear deal. 
the Iran, the, the, I should, let's see, the U.S.-Iran military conflict claimed close to all-out war, but de-escalated sharply with the replacement of the aggressively uh, anti-Iranian Trump by President Joe Biden, who, you know, he reopened negotiations for resurrecting a nuclear deal, and attention was diverted away from Iran by the, the when we had the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and then the U.S.'s competition with China and the war in Ukraine. And, you know, as recently as September, Iran appeared close to a new agreement on the JCPOA. I never thought they'd get one, but, you know, uh, and they didn't. But they asked for guarantees that the U.S. would not unilaterally withdraw again. Well, we didn't give them that. And yet, the, or at least nothing ever come to fruition. And yet the failure to agree to a, the, a nuclear deal is only one of a series of separate and unrelated events that have heated up the Iran crisis over the last two months, making it more explosive than ever, really. I mean, Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, had been in the forefront under President Trump, pressing for an attack on Iran, their, their nuclear plant. Now, remember, Netanyahu just got reelected. Should he be successful in forming a government, he will be in the uh, hot seat again, won't he? And so we'll have to see how all this plays out. But after decisively winning a, a, this general election back on November 1, he returns to power in Jerusalem at the head of the most right-wing government in Israel's history. Always an opponent of the JCPOA, Prime Minister Netanyahu is likely to put pressure on U.S. for military action against Iran, and Israel and the U.S. have both reportedly trained for an airstrike against Iran, and Netanyahu came close to ordering one. Israel's bombed them before, but I don't think it's going to be, if they bomb them again, I just, I would speculate that we not, may not be in World War III the next day, if not that afternoon. Other coincidental developments that are furthering, uh, they're further poisoning relations between uh, Tehran and Washington, they are faced with air superiority of the U.S. and its allies in the Gulf. Iran turned itself into what has been described as a, a, a drone superpower, but the world only took on uh, board the effectiveness of these cheap precision-guided missiles when Iran exported them to Russia for use against Ukraine. And since October, they have partly destroyed Ukraine's electrical system, depriving much of the country of heat and light. And the surprise emergence of Iran as this significant player in the Ukraine war soured even further. And if that were possible, it, it's already toxic relations with the West. So how far are those who decide on war or peace in the Middle East aware that the game really has changed? Gulf states like Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, they realized after the last U.S.-Iran clashes under Trump that they were all too likely to be, you know, what, uh, collateral damage in any American or Israeli attack on Iran, and Biden already has his hands full with the war in Ukraine. So Israel should know that Iran would find some asymmetric way of striking back at it. Now, would we, you know, again, we have, we have agreements signed 
that we would come to her aid, and we we're already working there with CENTCOM. So we need to make sure that you look at this from the big, uh, a, a, a wide angle here, because just because one news article says something and this one says, you've got to read all of them, as many as you can get your hands on to get the, a, a full perspective of what's going on. But as with Ukraine, the self-interest of all sides should prevent the crisis over Iran turning into a, a shooting war. But that does not mean it will not happen. Again, I am certainly speculating that the Irani- Iranian conflict will lead to a World War III. It could come from another region in the Euphrates River. But one thing I do know for sure, World War III is coming. It's prophesied and the prophecies always come to pass. And you know, in the aftermath of this six-trumpet war, where 2.7 billion humans have died, there's going to be a cry for a global organization that can prevent war from being... Uh, from ever happening again, especially a world war with that many, we're going to move into a fully functioning world governing body. That's many other prophecies uh, that we can talk about. World government, world religion, precursors of the mark of the beast. Everything's happening right now. So you can see, you say, well, let me see, Dave, are we in the, are we in the end time? Absolutely. All of the prophecies are converging at the same time, letting us know, folks, we're just prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ the battle of Armageddon, when the Lord will come back, establish His kingdom here on the earth, and He will reign in that kingdom. And the saints who are raptured, we will rule and reign with Him as kings and priests for that 1,000-year millennial reign period. You have the great white throne of judgment at the end after that, and then we move off into our eternal existence. If you're not born again and prepared for the Lord to come back and for the rapture to occur, so that you can go to be with Him, to rule and reign in His kingdom, and then be with Him for eternity, make sure that you're born again. Prepare yourself for these things coming. Because I've only went through a few articles today. There are hundreds letting us know on many different topics prophesied in the Bible that we are in fact living in the end time. And we want to make sure that you're prepared for the rapture so that you can go to be with the Lord for eternity. God bless. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.